0: Is going on. My name is Michael Hacker, and this is the Hacker Outdoors podcast. This is episode number three with my next guest, Scott Chesney. Scott is the father of two beautiful children, a husband, a motivational speaker, life coach, ambassador for the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation, a member of the Seton Hall University Leadership Advisory Council, and star of the documentary Ride the Wave, a captivating film about hope, resilience, courage, passion, gratitude. Family, friends, and love really is a laundry list of accolades and achievements that hopefully makes you realize that you can and should be doing more regardless of your life circumstances. So without further ado, I introduce to you, Mr. Scott Chesney. Scott, welcome to the Hacker Outdoors podcast. Thank you so much, Michael. Such an honor and a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you. It means a lot to having you here today. And You know, I've known you for quite some time now and, you know, I have to say, you know, you're a hell of a man. And a great role model, right? Like, I think my first introduction to you was, there was men's night at St. Catherine's Church in Cedar Grove. And this was, my brother had known you through the surf group. And I had yet to meet you at that point. Um, And listen to you talk. And you got in front of this room of, you know, this Catholic church. And I, I text my brother and I said, I think the guy Scott that you're friends with is here doing a talk to the men's group. And your discussion with us really resonated with me. And you know, I I wanted to give you a chance to kind of talk a little bit about your background uh, before we dive in. We're going to kind of jump into a little bit of surfing here and some other things with Scott. Um, but you know, do you want to give a little background to yourself, Scott?
1: Sure. Uh, thank you so much, though, Michael. It's again honor to be here. But uh, I remember that day back in that audience, and uh, you caught me living my passion. Uh, and my purpose, and, and I feel that when we connect with that, our our purpose and our passion, then it flows effortlessly. It's it, it's almost not even work, even though we might get paid for it. And um, I, I wish that for everything. I was happy that that happened at uh, a, a very early age in my career, I should say, um, back in the 90s, um, probably started speaking. Uh, some people will tell you I was speaking ever since I was in my mother's womb. Um, but, uh, I've learned to listen too. but, uh, you know what, I'm just so fortunate. I've had my own business now for over 20 years and a lot of my motivational speaking and coaching absolutely came as a result of a, some people might say a tragedy. I'm going to say a blessing in disguise, as I say, any type of adversity is, but, um, whereas my life was all about movement for the first 15 years of my life, I basically awakened to paralysis back in 1985 as I was a sophomore in high school. I had a a very rare uh, stroke in my spinal cord. It's actually an AVM, an arterial venous malformation. Uh, Congenital, I was born with it, could have gone my whole life with anything happening, but it was almost like a sleeping volcano in my spine that just erupted with no accident, no injury, no trauma. So it left me a paraplegic uh, from about my belly button down to my toes, no movement, um, weird sensation, not normal sensation. And uh, coming up on 35 years now, uh, just celebrated my 50th birthday. So 35 years of living life from a wheelchair, but as you well know, which uh, the great outdoors has absolutely contributed to, uh, I'm not confined to this chair at all. I actually, uh, I'm, great grateful for it because it's taken me around to so many experiences but every opportunity including the ocean including a swimming pool including my bed which a lot of it do you sleep in your chair i mean i I get out of my chair whenever i can to uh experience life but it also helps me to experience life so i'm one of those people michael who um i i'm blessed by not necessarily what's been taken from my life but what it is that i have in my life and that also Includes um, some adversity that I've experienced in my life. So I've tried to take every event every experience every choice uh, That I've made in my life that has brought me up to you doing what I I Love most and talking to people on the number one podcast in the world. So why would I change anything? Uh, This was wonderful. So that day at st. Catharines I remember I meant we had a, a mixed uh, group. of uh, We had students, we had parents, we had everyone. And I just really love to help people uh, build bridges and help them get from where they are today to where they want to be. And knowing full well that, uh, and I'm absolutely a
0: shining example of it, of uh, anything being possible in this world. And no, that's beautiful. And I, I, it's true. Everyone has adversity in some way, shape or form. And It forms who we become, but we can't always let it define us, right? And it's, I think some people like to dwell on the things that have happened to them, and it causes this lifetime of hurt, and you kind of have to move on from it and and realize this is a part of what made me who I am today, and you should, I don't want to say celebrate it, but almost celebrate it in the sense of saying, it made me who I am, and I can't change what occurred in the past, but at least I can move forward acknowledging what occurred and make, make a better life because of it.
1: Michael, it's about being in the moment as much as possible. And and the past, I I say if we're dwelling on something, normally we're stuck in the past. Um, I love to reflect on the past. Um, There are a lot of moments in which I didn't think something was possible, but yet it became possible. So if I feel somewhat stuck in the moment, I just reflect. I don't dwell. I reflect on those moments where maybe I did feel stuck but I got through it and said, okay, if this is possible, anything is possible. And then also with the future, I mean, I, I'm all for planning, I'm all for having a, and launching powerful intentions into the future, but really we have no control over that. And that's when we we get anxious, when we build anxiety and so forth, we're too far in the future. So if you find yourself dwelling on something and, and kind of stuck normally we're in the past, if you find yourself too anxious about something, it's about the future, neither of which, I mean, both are important, but neither of which we have. important. What's important is our moments, which we're sharing right now, and to be fully present as we can in each and every moment.
0: Right, oh, that's very true. Oh, that—that's you know your life coach one-on-one right there, right? This is <laughs> <laughs> that's one-on-one. I make that stuff up. Yeah, I just try to live it. I, I um, realize more than ever. Um
1: And you do. You exude it. I,
0: I have to say, like in the, it's been about a decade that I've known you, right? And it's always been that way and you always do live that so it's not some hokey saying that you're you know you just tell the masses and then you go live a different way this is truly how you live Um, and it's beautiful it really is and it's uh, a testament to positivity
1: I appreciate but and again we're just mere reflections of one another brother Uh, it it just really um, it's a matter of making a choice and I think I've I've spent so much time because I I have to walk my talk or wheel my talk. My wife told me a long time ago, she said, you know what, if um, you're ever given a presentation to someone, make sure you keep one ear open to yourself. Um, And obviously one ear open to your audience and everything. You, You have to make sure that you're living this. And I know through my own life experiences and my own trials and tribulations is that, oh yeah, I've spent a lot of time in that dark past and I've spent a lot of time in that like unknown future and realizing that, wow, you know what, I've missed out on some magical moments. So try to catch myself. Now, I am a human being born to make mistakes. Um, but I'm trying to learn from them as quickly as possible as we move along.
0: Yeah. And that's the best thing to do. And, um, so let's bring, how did you obviously, you know, we kind of are closely associated because of the group of guys that we're friends with and, Let's take it back to childhood. Prior to your spinal cord injury, were you always called to the ocean or was it something that happened as an adult? No, ever since I was a little kid. Uh, My father,
1: who passed away in uh, 1994 uh, when I was just 24 years old, my, my father was a lifeguard growing up. My father loved the ocean. And I spent a lot of time there. So when we were growing up before paralysis is that every single summer, we'd pack up two cars and uh, drive down from northern New Jersey down to Lavalette, New Jersey, where we rented the same house, which was on the bay side. We had a lagoon in the back and dad had his uh, sunfish sailboat on the roof of his car. And we had all the belly boards and everything packed up into mom's car and uh, just drove down there. And what I loved about it is just, um, I I love the bay and I love going in there and crabbing and fishing and doing all that stuff. But it was the other side of the ocean that was calling me and was the waves and just getting in there and just losing yourself. I remember with my brother and my father and my mother, hours upon hours, I meant, uh, unless you really had to go to the bathroom, I mean, you were doing it in there, you went, (laughs) you were doing it, but you came out because you were hungry or um, like you were in the sun too long. But I just remember hours, hours of spending in there, being tossed around just like, having sand where like you never would ever imagine and just dumping that sand and it was like rinse and repeat every single day and it was such a simple life and whenever we experienced too much sun we would just walk basically across the street to the ocean hut surf shop and just cool off take some of that sex wax and just like smell it all day long and uh, then just sit on the ground and they wouldn't care open up some of the surfer magazines and then look around and doing all that. And that's, you know what? I, I never use this word, Michael. And, um, I, but it, it's tough not to. I, and I understand why is that I never got up on a surfboard. Is that it was always something, okay, next summer I'm going to do this. And again, I was just a Benny. So we only went down two or three weeks. So it wasn't like I had all summer down there. But um, uh, I mean, I loved being on my belly board and, and riding waves that way. I love body surfing. It was always something like, I want to get up on that surfboard. I I wanted to get to Hawaii. I wanted to surf pipeline. And I I just never made it happen. And it's like, I I keep asking myself why. And I guess there was just that part of me that said, you know, you're going to be down here. You're coming down here every summer and you were 15 and okay, yeah, you could have done it like five years before that and everything. But what's interesting, what I find to be fascinating is that on that belly board, how I used to ride waves is how I adapted do adaptive surfing now on my stomach and doing everything that a surfer would be, but just like on my stomach, not standing up on the board. So I can't even say I've come full circle. Like I've just remained on the circle with regards to how I surf. Um, But I I, I love the ocean and I want to live closer to it. I'm not going to be up in Northern New Jersey my entire life. I don't want to just be down there um, during vacations or warmer weather. Even during these times now when it's getting colder out, just love it. But there's, um, there's a mystery, there's an unknown, there's a beauty, there's um, peace, there's so much that the ocean um, resonates to me and through me each and every day. And I've realized too, is just how much our lives, Michael, are just like that ocean, peaks and valleys, one wave after another, and realizing that there's always another wave waiting for us. There's always another opportunity in life that's waiting for us. And you know what, now with the experiences of having ridden some waves, is that we can choose to ride them differently moving forward. So there's just so much that I'm grateful for, for the ocean. And you'll never catch me, Michael, living in the middle of this country. And God bless all the people who love to do that and love the lakes or love the desert and stuff and don't wanna be nah. I will travel, I will go and speak there and everything, but I better have that return ticket home because I have to be close to the ocean. I gotta be on the coast somewhere.
0: Yeah, it it's funny, right? Um, you when you see the ocean and, and you know, obviously similar to you. I never went to the Jersey Shore, true story. I'm from New Jersey, born and raised. Never went to the Jersey Shore until I think senior year in high school, uh, Bob, a friend of ours, took me for the first time. And we always went to New England. Uh, So my family's from Cape Cod and we had a family house in Rhode Island that we would go to. So we were always at the beach, just never the Jersey Shore. But it was the same thing. You Every year it really calls to you and you just could sit there for hours, at least I could like watch the sunset and the sunrise over the ocean and just lay in the water and float and be tossed around for hours on end and, and really get lost because you feel like you're this piece of eternity almost like you're you blend into the horizon even though you're this tiny little speck in the ocean it's just you become a part of it and great way of putting it yeah really way of putting it and I love this time of year as well down the shore and it's um you know, I've definitely, as of now, of course, have a car and, you know, a little bit older than that, um, going down on my own and, you know, bring the wife sometimes and sometimes meet, you know, friends or my brother down there. And, you know, this is perfect time of year to go surfing and the perfect time of year to go fishing. And it's quiet. and You get down the shore, hopefully, in a heck of a lot less time than you would in the middle of the summer down the parkway.
1: Um, there, there, there was one time uh, I was just sharing the other night with my family is that uh, I think it was three years ago. I had a speaking engagement i want to say towards the end of november down in cape may and they put me up like in a hotel overnight and i just remember like right on the ocean and i just remember being there and it was so cold but i remember having my window cracked Because I just wanted to smell the ocean. I wanted to hear it. It was probably one of the most peaceful nights. I mean, I had the blankets and everything on top of me. But one of the most peaceful night's sleep I ever had. And I made a promise to myself is that, you know, and it's not just going to be a vacation. I will have like a, a permanent home, at least for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's right there. And I'll uh, I'll hear it. And it won't be something that's playing through my iPhone in terms of ocean waves. It will be the real deal mm-hmm. of the Atlantic Ocean that's uh, coming through my ears and put me to sleep and waking me up. And uh, I, I look forward to that.
0: You put it on the dream board and make it a reality. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> you got it. It's,
1: it's on there. It's on there. <laughs>
0: So your last time you went to the beach, you said 15 thereabouts, right? Um, you, yeah. you were down the shore. You said you wanted to maybe go to Hawaii, stand up on that board. Obviously, you know, what happened to you happened. Um, and how long before you got back in the water? Uh, the ocean, we'll say, not the pool. Wow.
1: So, so that, that's a great question because um, there was adaptive surfing. It was absolutely adaptive thing and people were doing it. I had never heard of it. I was approached and uh, about wheelchair basketball. I was approached about wheelchair tennis, doing road races, doing all different things. But um, the ocean was something that was almost like it, it was always there, but it got put on hold. And, and my family was great. So when this happened to me, they just, um, our vacation stopped going to the Jersey Shore. They didn't think it was fair. To me, they didn't think that um, like in terms of accessibility and we didn't talk about people back in the 80s and stuff or even the 90s, like going on to the beach and accessing it. But so um, it was almost like not accessible, not gonna go there. So that was determined. Life took me in all different other directions. So wow, is that, uh, when did it come back into my life? I remember probably, maybe late, late nineties is that um, I was living actually down in Miami, Florida. It wasn't the Jersey shore. I'd moved down to Miami, Florida. Um, shortly after my father had passed away. Cause he always wanted me to explore opportunities down there. Cause there's a lot of cutting edge research that's going on down in Miami. And so uh, I remember going onto beaches that were much flatter, and, um, obviously in Florida, it's the handicapped capital of the world. So there was a little bit more access down there. Yeah. And so that's where, like, I, I started like not necessarily getting into the ocean, but getting onto the beach and reacclimating myself. Um, but wow, it, it wasn't until was it seven, eight years ago, maybe that, um, yeah, really. Okay. You can get back in the ocean now and, um, you can actually surf and get on a board and, and do various things so um it, it, it just took a very long time and it, it's interesting because you know what i i wish wow if adaptive surfing or access to the beach was there at an early age i could have shared that with my family and said hey listen we can still go maybe we can't stay in the same house but we can still get down there and everything but you know you didn't see back then so it wasn't like something that was being done and I just avoided because maybe it hurt too much or something but um let me do this I got I got the sun coming all over the place now oh where it's coming it's coming all different trees I'm like uh, in like a hold on hold on let me let me do this a little bit oh that might be a little bit better there we go that should be a little bit better yeah yeah Man, I'm sorry about that yeah, it's all right. Mother Nature, maybe that's Mother Nature just saying, hey, you know what? We're going to create a lot of sun. You associate the sun with the beach and everything. We're going like, to uh, drop in on you, see? Dropping in on your podcast right here. This is Mother Nature. If I get hit with a big wave here up in northern New Jersey and Verona, then
0: really we got to take notice. Oh, we've got problems. That's 20, 20 times a thousand. <laughs>
1: so um yeah I just it's that's that's fascinating though, um, to think about because i, I guess I hadn't until you asked that question really put it in a time frame is that from nineteen eighty five to two thousand and wow 13. 13. I don't even know how many years that is is that? Like I would always say, I love the ocean. I would always say this, but it was almost like, and life took me all different places. I, I've traveled around the world twice. I've seen the Aegean Sea. I've seen beautiful oceans, and, but, well, I, it's not the ocean, though. What you got me thinking, though, is that um, back in 1999, I uh, swam in the Dead Sea in Israel. Huh. So that was an experience. No waves there. What? Wasn't doing any surfing there. It was looking more towards the healing, but um Fascinating. Fascinating body of water and
0: that's um, been known to heal a lot of people, so um some, yeah, some of the water upstairs, <laughs> but you know when we went out with team moonlander and we, we took you out surfing, I think it was your second time going out with them. My brother put me on the group text, and um, even then, I mean this is you know only seven years ago, getting you on the beach was was not an easy task I mean it's not something that your wife and your kids would have been able to assist you with. Right. It right. really took a handful of adult males to help lift you up and over the sand dunes and these like stairs that were leading to the beach. And, and it, it it's kind of like a selfish thing, right? Like is just humanity, you think about yourself and it's nothing that's necessarily wrong with that because you, your scope of influence, I guess, is, is diminished by your surroundings and who you surround yourself with. Um, but I th- thought it was strange, and it was difficult to do that enough for you, right? And then when we were doing Access Asbury, it was that two years ago now, and seeing just the the great work that the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation was doing, in, in making these beaches accessible, um, it's like, they really should be doing this everywhere. Like, it's not yeah. just the one beach. yeah. And that's one of our plans, Michael.
1: I meant that's what we want to do. I'm an ambassador for the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation and they focus on today's care and tomorrow's cure. So they're looking at the here and now and quality of life, but also looking towards the future and hoping to bring about, I meant they create funding for organizations that are, are trying to bring about different cures and more effective treatments for people living with paralysis. Uh, but one of those initiatives, as you mentioned, Access Asbury, um, and that just shows you from when Team Moonlander first got into uh, the ocean, where technology has come too. Um, there's a product now, and one of the last products I mean, it's now in my garage and everything, is uh, water wheels uh, created by a great company called Access Rec. And now they're doing this all over the world and providing these uh, beach chairs that actually have flotation devices on the armrests so people can actually go into the water and just float in the water if they don't wanna get out of the chair or do adaptive surfing or canoeing, whatever it is that they wanna do. So um, it's just amazing because we had with Team Moonlander, we have one of the best engineers in the world, Mike Zichelli, Captain Mike. And Mike put together this PVC pipe and everything, which was great. And uh, what's funny is that, and we'll get—I know—we'll get to ride the wave in the movie and everything. But you see that, you see that in the beginning of the film when you guys first started getting me on it, and my legs were dangling off, but we still got on the beach, and it was still easier than like having to carry me in my wheelchair and everything. But then at the end of the movie, you see me getting in with water wheels, and how much easier it is. And I think that's just an example of one of these things in life, thanks to technology that we see. I mean, I still marvel. I'll digress for a minute um, because like right behind me, I don't even know if you can see it up there based on the thing. There's a picture up there of my father. And my father played football. And in a day, like leather helmets with no face mask. And if you think about it, it's like, I remember, Imagine being at that board meeting and saying, hey guys, why don't we take a, like a stronger substance rather than leather, and then even put a face mask on the front. Oh yeah, my dad broke his nose. Like in, like every game his senior year playing at Bloomfield High School in a different spot. And I'm just like, this is just like brilliant how far we've come. And you say, you know, why didn't you think about that? I mean, you could say that about anything, the car, an airplane, but we're talking about getting on the beach. And it's just, all I know is just, I'm thankful because I I know with regards to paralysis is that, and I just shared this with the family. I speak to a lot of families of um Uh, who have a loved one or someone who's um, spinal cord injured or paralyzed or has some type of disability. And I I looked at them because they had someone who's been paralyzed now for 15 months. And I said, listen, um, I wish I could go back and make like it never happened. But you know, there's never a better time to be paralyzed. If you have to be paralyzed, then to be paralyzed now. And they kind of like looked at me and I said, well, based on the quality of life that you can still have, including getting back into the ocean, sitting on the deck, having a full experience at the beach now, if that's what you want to do, but also where research is in terms of technology and what they're able to do inside one spinal cord that like people are regaining movement who had never had movement before, thanks to like an implant, an epidural stimulator that's sitting on like uh, the spinal cord. That's kind of like acting as like a a little bit of a robotic um, function for you. So... It's an exciting time to be alive. Um, I used that word before in terms of regret. You know, I don't have really any regrets. And knowing full well that it could be that kid who's like a, at an early age, who's paralyzed now, who, you know, its family goes down to the Jersey Shore. And now they say, hey, you know, we can go to Hasbury Park or we can go here and have all those experiences that I didn't have. That means the world to me. Knowing full well that there's more to be had at a younger age or even an older age in society right now, no regrets from that. I, I again, I'm just uh, I'm thankful for it being in place right now, and I can uh, enjoy it and watch others enjoy
0: it. Well, I, you you brought up a good point, right? Uh, so I, I work in technology. That's you know my background, and I have a, of course, an education background in recreation and tourism, and. I always look at ways to solve problems using technology and we really are at this point now where, you know, we can talk about AI and ML and everything like that and what that's going to do in the near future and the distant future. But in its present form, we're able to solve so many more problems by using technology and do so so inexpensively. Like, you know, I'm sure a lot of these things existed a decade ago or even 20 years ago, but you couldn't afford them. As an mm-hmm. everyday citizen, you had to be a multimillionaire to be able to afford these things. And, you know, the great equalizer is is technology caught up to us, and now we can 3D print things. We can, we know we can use the internet to get designs for building chairs with PVC, like engineer Mike. And it, it's um, it really is a beautiful thing that we can do that. And and I'm I'm hopeful that this young kid I was speaking to at Access Asbury was saying to me, you know, I'm hopeful in the next 10 years with the way that technology is progressing that there is a shot that they'll be able to cure this for me yeah
1: well yeah and this is the interesting thing and this is where it 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 gets a little tedious and i'm just speaking about paralysis and spinal cord injury is that while we we group everyone together are there there are no two mris alike so while someone could have an injury or an accident or even an illness that i had at the same exact level of the spinal cord what it is that they feel, experience, any type of movement, spasms, everything is different. So I I can't necessarily focus on a cure for paralysis. But all I know is that, and I I told a kid the other day who actually um, was paralyzed at the Jersey Shore, Um, actually a lifeguard who, who dove into a wave, and we were having a conversation about this, and he's actually regained movement. I mean, he's in like his 15th, 16th month. Of being paralyzed he's regained movement didn't really sever the cord totally and so um we're talking about some of these treatments that are out there right now wow. and he asked me if i'm excited about it. i'm like i'm excited about it and i want you to go to before me i was like you got movement coming on now if you get that finish line is a little bit closer uh, yeah. for you than it is for me i'm cool but I, i'm right behind you but let's let's just get you going back up on your feet and I, i'll follow and hopefully that'll happen as well so but it's amazing it's amazing how far we've come Um, i know in my 35 years of being paralyzed with regards to where research is and where it was and um and i'm hopeful Uh, i'm hopeful for myself i'm still hoping that like my bones um are are strong enough to support me because being 50 now and being paralyzed for 35 years is that there's uh yeah my my bones aren't that strong Um, so I'm wondering if my legs can support me and everything, but I'm thinking more of that next generation uh, that maybe doesn't have to, uh, live too much of their lives, uh, from a wheelchair. Um, and, but yet, I mean, injuries and accidents and spinal cord injury still going to occur. There's still going to be a need for wheelchairs and so forth. Let's just hope it's not for that long.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I like that hope, hope and and work for the better future. Yeah. So let's pivot a little bit. You know, we were talking a little bit about, you know, where we were before and last time in the water. Now, your first time getting in the water with Mike and Robbie and and a couple of the guys, what was that like for you? Do you remember that feeling? Yeah. Uh, what's funny, Mike, uh, Mike and I, we joke about
1: it. I don't really joke with Robbie too much about it. So we, we should let everyone know is that, like, Mike's an engineer. He actually makes surfboards himself, but um, he works in a township as a town Uh, boardman, engineer, town manager. So he's like, he's that guy you want when you're uh, like caught in a foxhole and everything. He's going to help you figure things out. So what was interesting is that Mike had sent me, uh, I think this was on Facebook Messenger. So he was messaging uh, myself and Robbie at the same time. And all of a sudden, like I just hear these things that Robbie's saying, Robbie has like a helmet on me, Robbie has like all this padding on me, like uh, like I'm gonna be the Michelin man. And all of a sudden I'm just thinking like, no, 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 I I, I don't want this because I can't move around. I mean, I, I take pride in having the use of my arms and being free and everything. I'm all for taking necessary precautions, but I pride myself, Michael, and a lot of people should know who are listening to this is that, Even though I'm paralyzed and I have no movement, my legs, my my upper body's fine. And I realized is that like swimming, I might not be able to kick, but you know, my body is wanting to float. And the faster that I go with my arms, the more uh, my legs want to float. So I'm fine. I'm fine in the ocean. I'm fine in a body of water. But yet, yeah, definitely need help getting in and out of the ocean, but also retrieving my board. Anyway, so what was interesting is that like Mike would have little sidebar conversations with me and say, "No, it's okay, Scott. We're we're not going to have all that." And he's telling Robbie, "Yeah, we're going to be perfectly safe and do all that." So I was just wondering that first time we went in the ocean, and I was just like, "Okay, how are they going to have me do this?" Yeah, it was interesting. Is that we had a uh, a wetsuit. Um, there was a wetsuit that was made for me, and that was. Probably one of the biggest challenges getting in a wetsuit, uh, being paralyzed and everything. And I, to this day, I mean, sometimes it would take me on upwards to like a half an hour just to get in it. Uh, but it was well worth it. So to to get in that ocean, it was um, it, it was so intriguing. It, it like, and there was part of me that was scared, and I loved it because yeah. it was like any other time that I've gone into the ocean. And this is a respect for Mother Ocean is that she can have her way with you whenever she wants. And so you got to respect her. And um, I just remember getting in there, though, and feeling like that, that kid, that that teenager and that kid growing up on the Jersey Shore again for all those beautiful things, the sand in my eye, the, the sun reflecting on the ocean, getting that water in your mouth and like nothing on some levels had changed yet in so many other w- ways that things had changed. But uh, there was such peace of mind and I love it because the the guys asked me, how can we best help you? How can we do this? And so th- that first day was awesome. But then all of a sudden it just kind of like triggered so many thoughts and like, "Ooh, how can we make the board even better? So Scott can like get on it a little bit easier. How can we do it? So like and, and shape uh, boards moving forward so um, they're not so like top heavy where Scott's going to go in. Um, how can we put handles on the side so Scott can like hold and like maneuver the board or climb up where he needs to. So there was a lot of learning on the fly that was taking place, but there was also, as you well know, Michael, probably within like a first couple sessions that we had all of a sudden we're like, okay, where are we going next? Yeah. And so we sight set on like La Jolla at California. I mean, there's adaptive surfing competitions that's out there and we're like, let's go, let's yeah. make this happen. And we watched it and we're like, Yeah, I think we can win this and we can do this. And um, so again, like anything, almost like plans that I had before I was paralyzed, they were upended. So plans to head out to La Jolla and there was practice and there was a lot of time and effort put into, um, they got dismantled as well. And um, it's part of the journey. It's part of the journey. And again, no regrets and not saying, well, would have, should have, could have. Uh, I know Robbie to this day. Unfortunately, still feels a little bad about my my incident, which I, I don't know if you were going to get into that. In yeah, terms we, of when I,
0: yeah. Well, I we can now. No, please. <laughs> we brought up. I think it's it's important to know, like, that there. It's a journey, right? Everything's not linear, so to speak. It's um, like even in myself. Like I I was injured surfing, uh, you know, a good number of years ago, and I was very timid getting back in the water, and I still, to some extent, am. You know, you, you have this mental block almost that makes you, like, not want to do it. Um, yeah. now, well, just I,
1: mean, to caution. I don't know if not wanting to do it. Well, I guess for some people it would be, but like really... Caution, over with, abundance. yeah. Well, that's, but that's, and that makes total sense, even with the ocean. I mean, that should make sense in anything in life, is that if you had a little challenge in an area of your life, is that, uh, like, proceed with a little caution, um, th- th- that 's what life 's all about it 's when you go into something reckless yeah. and then you get hurt and then you go into it reckless again i mean you 're just kind of like asking for a bigger challenge but um no i I guess what we were talking about is that um wow it's been about four years now, I would say um day before uh, father 's day, so real thick wetsuits on ocean's still very cold. Um, it was it was a weird day out there because the the waves were I mean not perfectly formed they were kind of rolling in uh, one after the other uh, and even on top of each other and that's actually what happened to me when I went out there is it was the first wave that I caught of the season and I just remember riding it it was almost overtaken by another wave and it had knocked me off the board which it had before and I've wiped up before but based on the way the waves were. Is that it was like a washing machine or a dryer? I mean, I just two or three times head over heels, head over heels, and then um so what ends up happening, just to explain to your list, your viewers, your listeners, is that um, Robbie, who's our coach, would usually kind of pitch me into a wave. So rather than me having to get real tired and paddle into a wave, is that he would pitch me, would get me into the wave. Um, then he'd let go. I mean, there would be no one on that wave with me. Okay. So then I would take that wave as far as possible and then either get off of the wave or I, w- I would wipe out sometimes. And then what we didn't want to do, because as I mentioned before, is that my legs are um, somewhat weaker. They've atrophied and the bones are, are, are brittle. I didn't want to have a, a leash cord um, attached to my ankle. I didn't want that tug of any type of weight on there. So we didn't have one of those. So the team would go and retrieve my board. So on this day, when I went head over heels, board went, and I would usually kind of like float to the top, which I did and kind of like collect my legs. And I just remember bringing my left leg over here and then seeing my right leg at an angle that I had never seen before. Um, And it, it scared me. And when I tell you, Michael, is that even being paralyzed at that time, what was it 31 years? Is that I've always felt connected, even though upper body, lower body meant always one body here. Um, I felt disconnected from my body, seeing my leg at that angle, and it scared me. I ended up breaking my femur in six different spots. and um, it was challenging. It, it was challenging, but that absolutely put a whole new, um, I want to say, um, new and elevated respect for the ocean. Uh, because I was like, wow, she, she, she took like in that moment, she took my passion. Yeah. Um, she took part of my purpose in terms of getting in the ocean and showing others how to adaptive surf. And I was angry with her, I was upset with her, but, um, at some point I knew that I would have to make peace with her. So, um, a few years later, my legs like was all healed and it's healed. Now I have a titanium rod in there is that got back into that ocean at the same place, I wanted to go back to the scene of the crime. Yeah. Um, and we went back there, and uh, I just wasn't about surfing again, yeah. but it was about getting on that board and paddling out past where the waves were breaking and just being in there and experiencing all the beauty. Said a few things in terms of uh, some nice things in terms of how much I love you, Mother Ocean. Uh, please don't do that to me again. Right. Um, but it, it it's it, what's interesting when i when i broke my leg i think it was a few days later i heard about kelly slater who was probably the best surfer ever in the world yeah. um, He broke his foot on a wave that was probably smaller than mine the way he described it and it was just like you know i don't care if you're the the strongest athlete in the world the most resilient um whatever it may be is that you know we are human beings and we are going to bend and we are going to break and we're going to uh do different things but um you Know it's a matter of not necessarily riding it in, but it's a matter of getting back on that wave again and um just riding it wherever it may may take you,
0: wherever it may take you. Well, it's it's interesting to me, um, in that story is you you time in and time out you're experiencing you were talking about the wave being in kind of like a an allegory for life or some sort of tale of life, how you have these pitches and rises and falls or waves and you experience a setback and you still kind of rose above it and you got back in the water after a few years. It did take you a few years. And I know everyone's been asking you and everyone in the group constantly, I don't want to say nagging you, but, you know, gently trying to nudge you to do it again. Um, It's kind of trying to get you back on the horse after, after an injury. Right. And it's, it's important to do it. And I think it's important to also just do it in your own time and understand that like, you're trying to re-grasp that passion for the water again before you actually are ready to ride that wave one more time. I,
1: I, I think there was a time, too, where I, I had shared with someone. might have been in an interview or something where I said, um, I don't think I'm going to be um, surfing again. And my son was next to me. who's was a 15 years old Ray, and he had said to me, he goes, you know what, Dad, I, I don't know if you want to say that. And I was like, well, that's kind of the way I feel. He's like, but what happens... That day when you walk again, yeah. will you want to get on that surfboard? I was like, touche out of the mouth, the babes. I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to close that door totally, but no, constantly still being asked and I love it. I don't want anyone to keep asking me and even the team, the, the team later on this month and um, is going to, uh, what is it? American dream Yes. where, yep. There's an indoor surf park and I got the invitation. Hey, you want to go? And I was just like, no, I was like, I, am not going to be surfing. I don't care if it's a wave out in the ocean. It it turns the same way. And from what I found out, there's a cement bottom there. And again, it's, I I don't want anyone realizing that I don't make decisions based in fear. So it's not like I'm afraid I'm joking about this now, but, um, I never want to make a decision based in fear. I'm just in a place and I'm fine with it in terms of not surfing now. But yet, and realizing, and one of the reasons is, um, you know, surfer, adaptive surfer. Yes, it's one of my titles in life. But um, father, husband, businessman, um, these are stronger titles in my life. Yeah. And I realized that in that moment that I broke my leg, um, I could have broken my arm. I could have broken a hand. I could have broken my neck. Honestly, and I don't want to like really exaggerate this, but been plenty of people who have died yeah. while surfing, and so knowing full well that that could have happened very easily, the way I tossed and turned in that ocean, um, I realized that I, I was I'm very thankful to come away. Even my wife, when I first broke my leg, my, my wife's a physical therapist, so she met me at St. Barnabas Hospital, and I was showing her like a little bit like what had happened. And she goes, well, the good news is, is that, you know, it's in this area of your leg. So it's not like you're near anything where your leg's going to have to be held out straight, which would really impact your ability to drive, impact your ability to go into like different places with your leg having to be out straight. So it's just interesting how, you know, for as traumatic as it was and as debilitating as it was, it could have been so much more. And
0: affected my life so much more. No, you're so right. I just- have this hierarchy of priorities. And I think I had this conversation with Robbie a little bit last year, we were talking about doing some coaching. And I said, you know, I, he said, how long have you been surfing? And I said, uh, 20 years, I think, He goes, because <laughs> well, how would you describe yourself? And I'm like, I'd still consider myself a, a beginner surfer. And he's like, well how could that possibly be and i said well i have priorities other than surfing and right. living in north jersey it's you know not always easy to get down to down to the shore especially when you have other things going on and i'm married and you know i am an avid snowboarder I, I love fly fishing and i have other things that i want to do and surfing for me and, and any sport really in the outdoor world has always been about the brotherhood or the friendships and the you know sharing something with people and you know, I'll go anytime my brother reaches out to me, or anytime anyone reaches out to me and say, "Hey, do you want to go?" And if I'm free, absolutely, I'm down. But <laughs> I'd rather go down to the local stream and and get an hour in, and then have to come home and mow the lawn or whatever it is my adult, you know, needs are. Um, so it's understandable to an effect, exactly what you're saying, when you can potentially injure yourself and take yourself away from those other obligations and those other things that are in your hierarchy of of importance. Um, it's it, that's saying a lot about you as a person and I, I, I can appreciate that um, wholeheartedly I think some people you know they bust my chops for that but it's it's unfortunately a side effect of being a human and being in the modern world right we yeah. have to, if you get injured and you're taken away from something you you know that's a big deal yeah you know it, it's it's just being real I mean, even,
1: and and it's in the film, is that when I went back out in the ocean, like a few years later, and um, as Mike's, Captain Mike's pushing me in the water wheels chair, is that Robbie's walking alongside of us. He's like, "Uh, so you want to ride a wave today? I was like, no, (laughs) no, thank you, Mike. No, thank you, Robbie. I'm okay. I'm good. He's like, okay. And so, um, no, it's great. But you know what? I I can't wait to be there at this surf park at the American Dream up here in Northern New Jersey. And I can't wait to see all those guys having a blast, being zany, hopefully being safe, and just being in that energy. That's that's one of the things that like I probably miss um, more than anything, but yet when the pandemic's over and we're all out surfing again and everything, I, I probably, which I did for one of the best day yeah. foundation events, is um, just got on the board, went out beyond where the uh, waves were breaking. And as the kids came out, just coaching them and cheering them on and doing different things. Yeah. I'd like to do more of that. because, And, and that's part of uh, the brotherhood, the sisterhood, whatever you want to say, because we've had uh, guys and gals who have been out there surfing with me is that just all the exchanges um, that take place and, and the connections. I mean, I mean I, I, there's definitely like a reality TV show that uh, should absolutely have been recorded or should uh, can be recorded. Um, and, and so those are probably some of the experiences that I miss. Um, yeah. In terms of catching that barrel and, um, doing it. Yes. I, I, miss those. I've had those though, but it's, it's those bonds and those relationships that you form out there and, um, that are just priceless and everything. So I have to, um, want to get back in the ocean for those more
0: so than just the actual surfing element. That's uh, uh, very well put. So, you know, let's jump in. We we, we kind of touched upon Ride the Wave a little bit. Um, you know, I've definitely been a huge advocate of the film. I was lucky enough to premiere it with you when, when you had a Friends and Family event. And, you know, I absolutely loved it. And it's not just because, you know, I know you and it's not because I know the people that are in it and the scenes that, you know, I've lived. Um, but it really tells a great story about Life. It's not just about you. It could be anyone's story about life. And like you said, the the turmoil, or so to speak, that we would say um, that we experience and and moving on from it and love life, family, and friends, of course. Um, So tell us a little bit about Ride the Wave. How did it all come together? Well,
1: that was you, wasn't it? Oh, my brother. That, that, was, that, was, that was your brother. That's right. I always get the hackers confused. So your brother was actually talking with the, the filmmakers um, who had just gotten done with another project and said, listen, we're we're building this board uh, for our friend Scott. And uh, you should check it out. And I think they had the original intent of saying, oh, we can do like a documentary about adaptive surfing. And I think it was your brother who said, you know, and I think you should Google Scott's name first. And they realized um, a lot of what I had done um, in my life with my career, traveling, you name it, and said, wow, um, this movie is so much more than just surfing or adaptive surfing. So I, I would say it's about 25% about adaptive surfing and surfing. But one of the things when they approached me, the filmmakers, ulti Films, Um, I I said to them I'm I'm honored I'm touched but I really need this to be done in the way that my presentations are where obviously it's my life and I'm going to share my stories that way but I need to have every single person who watches this kind of Travel vicariously through me, but they're plugging in their own lives, and they're saying, "Wow, I might not be paralyzed, but I remember times where I experienced adversity, or I remember where there was a challenge in front of me, or I remember when I lost a loved one, or when I got married, or kids, or parenting." There's so many elements in there I think people can connect to, in which they do in my presentations, and yet the centerpiece being my my story. Yeah. But as I like to share with anyone is that you know it, it would be beautiful if we could put everybody's story up on that screen and yep. share and I like it we had a chance to watch it imagine if we had a chance to watch like everyone's movie everyone's documentary and learn a little bit more about them i think we would behave a little bit better i yeah. think we would be um a little bit kinder a little bit gentler um we have more empathy in our lives um but that that's a whole nother subject we can talk about so um, I I was just thrilled and um, to know that you know and when they came up with the title Ride the Wave I was like yeah this is like the waves of life we talked about the peaks and valleys and that was one of the things too and I when I had broken my leg which they captured beautifully in the film is that um, when they brought me back to the beach and I'm sitting there and my water wheels right as the ocean's coming up and I'm facing the ocean, they said, listen, uh, we can get someone to bring a helicopter in here or we can uh, call the ambulance. What do you want? And I said, guys, I just need a moment. Can you just give me a moment? So I remember looking down at my leg and kind of like holding it with both hands just so it was straight. And then um, it was like, I always get a calling in my heart. I always say the mind thinks the heart knows. So my heart said, look up. And I remember looking out and up Mike, and I just remember seeing a beautiful wave, unlike any other wave I had seen before. And it was majestic and it was gorgeous and the sun was hitting it beautifully. And then I saw another wave forming beyond that, and then another wave. And it just like with all the, the sadness and the shock, because I know that I did something serious to my leg, it's like I had that moment reprieve. We talked before about being in the moment. And the moment said, you know what? There is another wave that's waiting for us. And we can navigate that wave a little bit differently now, hopefully better, hopefully wiser. And uh, it's always waiting for us, just like there's another opportunity to make a different choice or to go in a different direction. And that was a profound example for me. And I just think very symbolic of that movie because this is the thing, too, is that when I broke my leg, I meant we had guys who were recording and everything, but the film crew wasn't there. So I was, um, I, I went to um, St. Barnabas Hospital, in all due respect to hospitals down at the Jersey Shore. I did not, I heard some crazy stories, Michael. I did not want to uh, be there. Um, and see, I think the theme of part of this today should be regret. I am going to use the word again, is that I regret. I, I say this, it's like, a, what was it? The font saying, I'm sorry. I, I regret regret. Um, driving myself, so I drove myself with a broken leg up to St. Barnabas Hospital. Um, <laughs> I just told the guys, I said, because I said, just carry, put me in my driver's seat, but I drive with my hand, so my leg's not affected, but not knowing that I might have been in shock or something like that. Anyway, I made it to the hospital and everything, but when I'm in the hospital bed, I get a call from one of um, the actual director, Kevin Nolte, And Kevin said to me, he goes, Scott, are you okay? We heard about it. And he goes, "Um, do you need anything? And I was like, yeah, I need some. I need you guys to get up here. He's like, what? I was like, but you can't make this out. (laughs) This is great footage. You got to come and you got to capture me at the hospital. And I got surgery tomorrow. I was like, this is all part of the journey. And um, it ended up like being, I, I think one of, um,
0: the most compelling because I I broke down a few times in that. It was absolutely touching. I, I, you know, I teared up and, you know, you say what you will about men tearing or crying, but like it it really seeing you having known you for as long as I've known you and seeing you as emotional as you were at that moment and and vulnerable, it really, it makes you think about your own fragility and, and, you know, empathetic to what it was you went through. Um, And it really was a defining piece of the story for Ride the Wave I, I think.
1: I just uh, and again I had shared this before I, I just had like that tape of my life playing out of how much worse this could have been and, and really not being able to fulfill those other titles in my life and it was just sad. And so there was a the part of me that said, you know, you had no business being almost like, fo- like 45 years old and brittle bones and doing this, should have done it much earlier in life. And it, it's just interesting. Uh, you kind of like uh, ride the wave, you ride the gamut of emotions, whatever it may be. But, you know, it, it's where I was in my life and um, an experience. I, and I have no problem saying this along with every other experience. That was an experience I needed to have in my life and um, it really made me go deeper, made me reflect on, yes, my own fragility, but it made me look deeper into uh, my own life and my own like, physicality and everything else. So um, no regrets, no regrets whatsoever.
0: Oh, that's, that's really good. And I, I, I think you know we, we've been blessed as individuals and I, I think having known you, you know, you're definitely one of those people who feels blessed of having a community of people to support you and what you've done. Um, But a lot of people don't have that. So, you know, can we touch a little bit on access and, you know, how do people get involved if they're interested in getting in the water here in New Jersey or elsewhere in the nation? Um, You know, if they want to just go swimming uh, in the ocean or even try adaptive surfing, what does that look like? If you're aware.
1: Well, there are a lot of different organizations, and we, we don't necessarily um, get people surfing again through the Reeve Foundation, but there is uh, Life Rolls On, um, there are um, Operation Beachhead, uh, which gets people surfing. But with regards to it, which I strongly suggest getting back into the water, because when we had our first beach day for the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation, I mean, we had people, and you saw it that day, who were crying because they actually came there, not even in a bathing suit because they wanted to see other people have experiences. And all of a sudden they saw the experiences people were having, let me go back to my truck or let me go back to my van and ended up having a bathing suit there. And then they ended up crying. So it's almost like, you know, getting in that ocean first and seeing like how that feels, how that feels with uh, a disabled body, so to speak, as compared to a body that uh, you had before. And uh, so I, i would suggest if anyone's out there cuz we could guide you in the right direction you go to christopherreeve.org is that and then you type in asbury park and you'll see we have our own special page there and so we're talking about not only beach access and helping people get onto the beach whether getting on the beach getting in the ocean just having that overall beach experience however that looks yeah. you don't like the ocean but just like looking at it hey we can get you on the beach if you want to get in the water a little bit you want to get in the beach far i mean there's all ways of accommodating you and the lifeguards crew the lifeguard crew um is great there at Esbury park yeah, but great. we're looking to through the reeve foundation we're looking to get at least one beach you think of all the beaches um, that are in each municipality on the coast And we wanna have at least one beach made fully accessible. Um, Not every single beach, but one beach that people could look forward to. And it's something now we're talking with senators, we're talking with congressmen and women who are absolutely on board in making this happen. And um, we're we're excited about that, but we would love to see this like uh, go around, uh, have New Jersey be the first state to do this, go around and have every other coastal state do this and have places around the world And what um, we're trying to let people know is that um, people with disabilities consist of nearly 20% of our population. Think about that. Nearly 20% of our population has some type of disability. And I share with people, because we are getting older, thanks to medical advances and technology, which we discussed before, is that we're growing older. And as we grow older, unfortunately, the chances of us having some type of disability is going to increase. So um, I said, you know, we got to prepare for this population, and the degrees of separation of it are are dwindling with families and friends and colleagues and everything. Yeah. So, but and so where I say, you know what, morally, it's the right thing to do to make something accessible. Um, you could say legally, which I don't like to go down that route because then you drum up fear with people. Right. But I, I say to people, it's the business savvy thing to do, and this is where I love the discussions with Michael because I said. collectively now I know there are a lot of people with disabilities who are very poor just as there are people in general who are very poor there are people who are very wealthy too and then there are people like in between there is a tremendous spending power that people with disabilities collectively have so if you make a beach accessible I'll be sure to have your restaurant that's nearby wheelchair accessible beach and that's part of what access Asbury is all about is that yes we're starting off at the ocean and trying to make the beach fully accessible but we're going in inland too and we're wanting restaurants and hotels and everything else that um you know one might want to experience in a city and in a town we want to make those wheelchair accessible too so people have free access and just can explore their purpose explore explore their passions and whatever anyone else is trying to do in navigating this thing called life yeah that's
0: very well put i you know I, i touched on a little bit before i I'm a big fisherman, and I, I go to this one stream up in Sussex County, and they actually do have a handicapped accessible section of the stream, which I happen upon by accident, and it's got to be a heck of a, an access point to get to by, via car, um, but once you get there, sure enough, there was a nice little ramp down into the water, and it was, it was nice to see because I've never seen that on a, on a fishing stream or fishing river before, and it, there need to be more. I I agree. I agree.
1: And and it just takes, um, it could take somebody who has a disability who basically says, I want to fish and being an advocate for him or herself could happen that way. It could happen as someone who is an avid fisherman, who's on his or her feet, who just says, Hey, you know what? I got this colleague at work who's in a chair and I want to invite him fishing. Let's make this successful. Whatever it is, is that I think whatever is going on. And, we need to figure out ways to make things more accessible, and I don't think there's anyone out there, Michael, that's saying let's not make this accessible. It all boils down to money. Of how course. much is it going to cost me? I mean, I know with businesses that we're working with now to make it accessible, and we, I, I talk about the tax incentives that you have and everything, and uh, you're going to recoup that. But that's that's the number one like fear um and that's the the number one challenge so if we can get by that financial and knowing full well that you're going to recoup whatever losses you feel because yeah. you're bringing in a whole new segment of the population in here now let's talk about again the business savvy reason to do this and i love seeing whether it be uh, streams whether it be lakes whether it be fishing i mean, whatever experiences out there um it could be modified to accommodate people with
0: disabilities all different types of disabilities no I, I agree with that and it's it's something that should be on the mind of everybody and it's at some point like you said we as we age the likelihood of us becoming in some way shape or form disabled and our mobility starts to decline um, it, I'm going to hopefully still continue to be able to do these things, but I know the places that I go uh, they're not right now aren't going to be accessible to me because I have to hike in like three miles upstream or downstream in order to get to them and I won't be able to do that forever. So I would hope that in the near future, and you know, I'll be a huge advocate on this, and I, I do talk about this frequently um, with friends and family. It's like, be an advocate for this. It's it. Nothing bad can come out of this, only good. And it's only going to benefit society as a whole to bring the outdoors to people that can't access it or may not be able to access it in the future. Yeah, bring awesome. it, um, yeah. <laughs> Scott, we're at the end here of of time, and I really appreciate the time you took today to meet with us and, and kind of discuss a little bit about your background. And of course, ride the wave. I highly suggest everyone watch it. I'll put a link to it um, in the show notes. And um, Scott, is there anything you wanted to end on?
1: No, I'm I'm great. Thank you again for the opportunity and what you're doing, and love the open mindedness and uh, helping people with and without disabilities. Just uh experience this world and all its beauty and all its glory. So thank you, Michael, for doing what you're doing. That's awesome. Thanks,
0: Scott. I appreciate it. And have a good one. We'll talk soon. All right. Take care, my friend. Bye, brother. Bye. All right, so that was Hacker Outdoors with Scott Chesney. If you liked what you heard, please give us a like or leave us a comment below. Please give me a follow on Instagram at hacker outdoors and on YouTube at Hacker Brothers Adventures. Scott Chesney can be found at ScottChesney.com as well as in the amazing film Ride the Wave, which of course we will link to in the show notes below. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to having you with us again next week on the Hacker Outdoors podcast.